The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you want me to make it work, I'm going to charge overtime. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. In direct opposition to OC's latest ratings, <laughs> I decided to get very high for this. I always love the narrative structure that my guest brings. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 427, 428, or 429. We're in that area of 400. (laughs) It could not be a more perfect fit for this guest. Who's doing her version of like the chill slash robot, which I am yeah. extremely into. I'm you a vessel know, for the music. You are gonna music. <laughs> you know her as a content creator whose IG bio says it all. If Dateline and Sports Center had a Bravo baby, welcome back to AG, a place you have been so many times before. Bravo, bravo, ducking bravo. How are we tonight? We are so good. We are (laughs) once again dealing with reality in the only ways we know how. Yes. We're doing good. And and how are those ways? What are those ways? Educate the AGs on how you make it through another day in paradise. Drugs. So for a solid year now. I have been doing gummies, edibles, and Sarah, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And I'm just mad that I came into it so late in life. So I highly recommend it. Well, I do unfortunately have a little bit of news for you. What? On a previous episode, we had discussed, or maybe in real life, I truly don't even remember if it was recorded, had discussed the fact that I had had my first, I definitely Instagram storied about it, oh, had yes. my first interaction, experience, relationship, flirtation, one night stand with an edible in the form of a pot chocolate chip cookie that mm-hmm. had been baked by the girlfriend of the uncle of the bride at a wedding I was at a couple weeks ago. And that I had a small amount and it I tripped the light fantastic. It was so delightful and strange and like out mm. of body and I was extremely into it. Yes. And as we discussed, because I was like, I'm going to place an order with your gummy person and, you know, do an anti-inflammatory themed gummy <laughs> edible extravaganza. And I did offhand mention it to one of my doctors with like, I did like the trail off of like, 
yeah, I just want to know your thoughts on me doing an enema. And they were like, no, that's that's in fact the worst idea for you because I deal with like issues with blood pressure and stuff where it gets too low. And so the idea of slowing everything down is actually not what they want. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. But for anxiety and everything else, this actually would really help me. So then I had an appointment with like the head of women's cardiology, yada, yada. And, you know, asked her team about it because I was like, second opinion. (laughs) That's what if I don't get an answer, I don't like skip until you can. And they were like, no, because of your blood pressure. It's not a good idea. I know. I'm so sad. You know, I loved it so much. You know, at least you you got to know what it was, right? It's like, it's better to have loved than and lost. Oh my God. Is this my Moulin Rouge moment? I mean, was that chocolate chip cookie, my sateen or whatever the fuck her (laughs) name was? Like, that is so unfortunate. I want to go back to it. It was, I've never done that before ever. I'm a little, I'm a little bebe when it comes to that stuff. Oh man. Well, that's unfortunate. We're going to find some kind of psychedelic that works for you, though. Yeah, I think we should go stronger. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely um, the the thing, the lesson that I learned is just the only option. Right. It's just go absolutely a whole lot stronger. (laughs) Do something that's a little bit, veer a little bit. Right. Do something that's really going to fuck you up. Um, Listen, can I ask you a question? You know, we're kind of skirting around stuff. It's been a weird day in this country. And I was, you know, thinking a little bit about it, not in terms of everything that just came out with SCOTUS rulings, but just in terms of like, where do you find joy and escape? Now, obviously, the edible for you has been fantastic as it has been for any number of other people. I think, you know, studies will continue to come out and show the um, benefits of this, especially, you know, for anxiety and other purposes. Not to say that that is something that you struggle with, but to say that there are, you know, benefits that are being explored. For you, in terms of like TV or escape, maybe not specific to today, but in general, in generally, in general, with so much going on and sometimes a feeling of, you know, being suffocated is a little bit of a daily experience. Shout out to the terrible um, air outside here in New York. Um, What are you looking to? What has worked for you? It could be something from your life, from TV, from pop culture. How are you finding escape, positive escape or escape escape? Well, you know, in many different ways. And I would say the the biggest one for me is that you know, I have a small child who it's it's mm. summertime right now. And so in general in life, when things seem, you know, extremely bleak, mm-hmm. that's sort of an impossible mood to carry throughout the day when you have like a little ball of bright light that yeah. doesn't understand anything that's happening. And you have to switch out of it and say, that's awful. but there are still beings, you know, who need to feel like things are okay. Mm. So for me, that's the, that's the biggest way to, to snap out of it because it is pretty maddening right now. I don't think there's ever been a more divisive time. Uh, it's worrisome for so many different reasons. All of the issues are sort of piling up on top of each other. 
at a rapidly you know accelerating pace but I mean, that's why a lot of us have liked Bravo for so long, because no matter what horrible things are going on in our lives, it's a nice distraction, it's it's light, it's silly, and that's a wonderful thing that it offers us. Um, it's just, I think we, we all have a couple of things right now that we're, we're using. Nobody's just a, a single user. Right. And the thing about Bravo that this is just making me kind of like reflect upon is that there are so many different women and so many different kinds of women and kinds of people who exist on Housewives. And we as viewers, as you and I are Americans, the ways that we like shut each other out oftentimes where it's like, oh, you and I don't believe the same thing. So you are the devil now. Like you don't have a name. You just have an idea and there's nothing else. Like you're barely like the skeleton outline of a person. You are only what you think. So I don't need to be anywhere close to you or think of you as a person. I understand that perspective. And for some people, that perspective might be just genuine self-protection or might be how they just envision the world and our culture at this point. And I sort of don't begrudge them for that because I've done it. And the very nature of, I think, our country right now sort of (laughs) celebrates that idea, that divisiveness. And the thing that I find interesting about Housewives is You actually don't really know a person's politics when it comes to how they vote because that is such a private action. You might think you have an idea because of the kinds of conversations that are sometimes held on Housewives, but you don't really know. But that's not the thing that people necessarily focus on day to day. It's like the show is really about of course, politics is life. You know, it's not just an activity. It is a a worldview. But also there is a way that we as Bravoholics sort of free ourselves up to find humanity in housewives that we might ordinarily disagree with that I think is actually a, a nice escape for some of us to have. Like the idea of divisiveness obviously being a toxic structure and part of the Bravo machine, surely. But also there's something there about watching these shows and seeing the ways women live different from each other inside their own friend circle slash cast slash community and, you know, from one franchise to the next. The idea that we sort of sometimes let ourselves go And just like seeing that person and saying like, yeah, maybe I think you're a piece of shit for reasons relating to your relationship or to what you said to the housewife that I love or whatever else, but you're still willing to listen. Maybe it's because it's framed around entertainment. I don't know. But I kind of am holding close to that right now because I don't know how much of that exists for some people, you know, in our very kind of isolated communities offline. It's like the idea of... um a lack of depth or active listening that I feel like so often occurs, especially in having conversations around politics, noting, obviously, by the way, that real rights were lost today and that will have longstanding consequences. But just to say that the way that we look sometimes at housewives, the way that we can listen to housewives that we disagree with, the way that we might dehumanize one housewife over another, 
but we are still here engaged in conversation. I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish except to say that there's a kind of hope that can exist in just even being able to fucking communicate so that you could listen to someone who is saying, I feel lost with what's going on, that you can actually listen and not ridicule that person, but try to at least appreciate what they are saying. There's a bridging of the gap that often happens in seemingly superficial to some universes and communities, and it makes me feel sad to see how low we've become. And the fact that within Bravo, I know this sounds fucking insane, but there's an element of hope that um, I feel can exist because of our ability to withstand, God forbid, discomfort, albeit with a much, much different stakes. Um, but to be able to at least engage with each other, um, BCC, New Jersey, which is <laughs> not the case, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember years ago, I mean, 15 years ago, it just wasn't, it wasn't like a line in the sand for someone mm. to be a, a different political party. It's always been divisive because there's, we don't have a lot of choices the way other countries do. We don't have like 10 people running. We have two major parties. And so it's not as acrimonious as it could be, but now it has become, it has become something different. I just, I think historically it's, it's never been, um, I would say it feels tragic in the way that it's made people tribal. And um, Mm. I think it's also a distraction, which, you know, I've mentioned that before, that I think if we were all united, we'd be a force to reckon with and probably be a better place to, to live. But we are divided very easily on um, lifestyle choices, it seems, more than anything else. Yeah, and yet there's the idea when we're watching Housewives, there's obviously a huge difference in the lifestyles that are afforded to maybe someone on, you know, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, for example, versus, you know, Susie Q over here in the Clawfist being like, ooh, rent just got paid. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> that was taken out of my account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and inside of that, like the idea that when we're watching these stories, we somehow find ourselves available and able to sure continue to like stereotype someone because maybe that's also the edit that has happened that alleviates some of our responsibility to find humanity at times. But also it just opens up the idea that we can have conversation. I mean, that was always the the interesting thing about BravoCon. I mean, always, LOL, it's happened twice. But um, is the idea that you don't know the person next to you in line, but you can immediately start talking about Teresa V. Melis, which is a terrible example and not the, <laughs> the way I would start conversation for any <laughs> Bravoholic. But you can immediately start talking about how much you love Miami or what are your thoughts on the new New York. I mean, there's the ability for us to seek conversation with each other that often feels restrictive and sometimes dangerous. Um, And I'm just appreciative for those conversations right now for the idea that we can learn something about each other and 
provide the opportunity to do that. You know, there's obviously a privilege in it and a privilege in the interest in doing that. But it it does give me a certain, certain amount of hope, which you might not think about when you think about the Bravo universe and certainly Bravo pods. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, there's definitely been issues with different cast members and all kinds of, you know, drama and essentially people just not looking at social media. And, you know, I think we've seen a couple different issues with that in the past three or four years of casting. But for the most part, you know, Bravo makes a concerted effort, I think, to try and get people to have conflict resolution however mm-hmm. that goes whether it's more dramatic or less dramatic or someone plays it up or down they at least have to address issues and that's that can point. be hard for for people to do now that's that's a great point i feels like now and again i wish there was andy being like okay you can't just walk off because sometimes my instincts as a person are to like literally leave the couch immediately leave the couch and be like bye bye and be teresa and say to somebody guess what you're fired i just decided <laughs> You're no longer on this show and I am literally not a producer on it. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be interesting if we had an Andy in our lives or were our own inner Andy Cohen's, you know, who does a certain amount of a certain amount of side eye, a certain amount of snark and of stirring the pot as he so um, as he so beautifully does on occasion, also known as almost every other time. But, you know, the ability to just be like, yeah, so let's talk about it and figure it out. And maybe the figuring it out is sitting there stone faced, but you're still with each other, you know? Yeah. Um, It just made kind of made me think about that while I was literally, I don't even remember what I was watching earlier. I was truly on Instagram Explore for so fucking long. Ooh, you got in the trance. Oh my God. And it was like, wait, did two hours go by? And I was just literally scrolling. It was nuts. Um, But then I, you know, went back into Peacock where where Hope does still often reside and watched the newest episode of Orange County for the second or third time and um had a lot of feels about it i'm curious for your thoughts on this season so far i feel like we haven't discussed it necessarily and um and your thoughts on this week i mean this season i've watched them all mm-hmm. um so it, i haven't been like oh yay a new one you know it's not like it's not like that but um it's been entertaining i will say the one thing that i was just like i don't know if i don't know if i can do a whole season of this was just you know chamber was on 10 yeah i'm on 10 for the you know two episodes back to back there it just seemed like a lot and you know i get it that's that's she's amazing like she's she's made for reality tv so we knew she was going to bring that to it it just felt like a lot um but the episode the most recent one because i watched it this afternoon too I thought it was good. I had, I had a lot of thoughts about it, and I thought it was some peak house wisery. You know, the Tamra of it all is interesting because there are moments where she has a twinkle and moments where she has a smirk. And at a certain point, and it's like we're so early into the season, and I really, really loved this week's episode, but it is kind of interesting to just wonder, you know, that smirk has always been there. I feel like the twinkle is just the layer on top, how far this is going to go with, I guess, the Heather dynamic, like 
how far other members of the cast will allow it, if not agree with it, like the level of producing that she does, you know, it's it's it can be, I would assume, a lot to film mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. She's like, she's a seasoned pro, you know what I mean? It's like, she's one of the originals and um, she knows what she's doing. And you know, I, I think, I think it was, yeah, I don't, I think she came out and she said she didn't want to be fired. She was upset when it happened. So that's not something that was just a rumor. Um, so I'm sure she's been on the sidelines. Like if I came back, I would X, Y, Z. And she's like, put me in coach. I'm ready to go. So she comes out swinging. So I think that's what we saw was just a lot of energy you know, for being back, which is great. Um, But maybe the cake was a little bit jump the shark for me is all. Well, it does kind of, you know, beg the question, how does a person trust Tamara? Is there an ability to be in the cast with her and say, listen, so-and-so is happening? Like how much of the information that she's pulling from, is it okay that it's information that was probably shared in confidence with her friend Jen, for example, who was just her friend Jen and is now a cast member. Like what what level of what does loyalty look like if you are Tamra Judge? Should her cast members expect any loyalty when it comes to secrets or winks because of the very nature of the simple fact she's doing her job, a, a role that she's sort of created when it comes to stirring this level of shit? Now, I, this is what, now, look, everybody's different. I would not trust at all because I wouldn't trust any of the women, you know, with secrets or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, as far as what you're saying, yeah, I, I think all bets are off. I mean, she's there for a reason. And you know, having said that, she has alluded a couple of times and tell me if this ever was resolved. She's alluded a couple of times that she knows things about Shannon and she's been a good friend and not said anything. And I just don't remember if that was something really old that's already been resolved or not. But there might be things out there that she has kept to herself, but it doesn't seem like that's how it would go. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, keeping things to herself, it's not like she has been entirely offline. Two T's in a pod really took off. So she has been able to maintain and even like leverage a certain kind of um foothold in the universe while she's been off camera which if you listen to you know how she has kind of narrated maybe Heather Dubrow having a role in why she stayed off screen by talking about the fact that you know she has a a different kind of housewives podcast and it wouldn't make sense for her to have that while being on TV and in Tamra's words that potentially prevented her return earlier. But also there's a benefit to it, even if you assume that Heather's encapsulation of the podcast is spot on because she's able to decide and probably maneuver relationships and strategy while she's talking about all of these different kinds of shows. Like we think of her, she says she was fired because she was fired. It wasn't a pause, but for all intents and purposes, because she's back while she was on pause, it's not like Tamra necessarily paused. But I also think there was a benefit to her being gone because I do think she feels a lot lighter than the last season she was on. I think just all of the stress and tension 
of maybe what she felt responsible for doing or just maybe not being as effective or maybe being too effective have ca- has caught up with her. So I do see a difference there. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's healthy, especially, and it had to happen, right? It's like, we're reaching different milestones for, for length of stay on housewives for different people. But at some point, someone's going to, everyone's going to be let go. You're all the originals and it will just rotate and rotate like, you know, the water cycle or something, but Mm. uh, you know, it's healthy for Tamara to go through something like that. She knows she can, she can be okay without it. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of energy there, you know, for being back. And how do you feel about her either targeting LOL or sort of deep diving her tension with Shannon first? Was that a surprise to you that she that seemingly the storyline was focused on the Tamra Shannon dynamic slash estrangement and not Tamra and Heather? No, it seemed it seemed natural just because of the three amigos connection. You know, they've been so tight and intimately, you know, connected, talking on the phone every night, blah blah blah. And so it seemed natural for them to address that. Uh, you know, people. I feel like everybody has had beef with Heather at some point. It doesn't really stand out. It's not as it's not as deep. Mm. So yeah, I felt like that was pretty um, pretty organic seeming. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the current Heather dynamic, I mean, the rest of the cast have made some, you know, um, assortment of LOL commentary about the fact that, you know, did you have conflict with Heather? Everyone did. It's just a Mm -hmm. matter of how many times. Do you feel a sense of that kind of targeting or vibe within the conflict that Heather had with Taylor? Like, do you, do you have any sense of the temperature in the room changing for Heather this season? You know, possibly because anytime it would come up in this episode where it's like, oh, you know, she had a way of saying things. It was a little condescending. Everyone's like, mm-hmm, classic Heather. So it's not just these one-off situations now. Everybody has voted. And they all agree, like, this is just how how you operate and that's how it's going to be. So in that way, I think um, it's a different kind of energy to where Heather got to be sort of, you know, Miss Fancy Pants and revered a little bit more. Now she's like, okay, Heather, all right. Uh, uh, okay. You know, we're used to it. Yeah. And, you know, last season... I was, you know, obviously super psyched. Well, not obviously, but maybe. I don't know if you listen to those episodes. I was excited mm-hmm. for Dubrow to be back. And then I was like, this is enough. Because it felt like she had way too much sway and authority with production. Um, which is a much, much different role and relationship than the one that Tamara has. Uh, which is often seeming like self-sustaining versus Heather's kind of back and forth just kind of power dynamic with production and the cast mm. and the fact that I think probably the cast understood that like they needed her <laughs> to come back. Um, and this season, I kind of, you know, obviously early days, but I'm like, wait a second, am I vibing with Heather? Du- I feel like I am vibing with Heather Dubrow in a way I truly did not expect. Truly did not. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, personality-wise, I think she could be really fun. Her her flaws are her flaws, and we all know them. I think her colleagues, castmates, probably do too, and they like pushing those buttons. But um, I've definitely seen really good sides of her so far out of the three episodes. In what ways? Funny. I mean, I think you know her being around her kids is always a is always a good thing because it seems like she takes herself less seriously. There's you know a lightness, a laughter, but it's also extremely deep. And she has one of the families on Bravo that, for me, I think are inspiring in in the intense love and acceptance that they have for each other and support. You know, and so it's nice to see her in that in that setting. Yeah, and if I can just sidebar for one second while we're on the subject of parenthood, I really appreciated the initial scene with Emily and her kiddo where she was, I think, talking a little bit about uh, how to provide opportunities for her child, but also just simply be there. And she said something along the lines of like, her goal or maybe the goal was doing better as parents than her experience had been as a child. And it kind of made me stop for a second because I thought to myself, while that makes complete sense and for many people is the goal, oftentimes the inspiration to create a family is to say, I'm creating this thing that maybe didn't exist for me or maybe was, you know, filled with a lot of complications when I was younger or growing up or an adult, whatever the reason might be. I just kind of thought to myself, that's so interesting that she said it because my immediate reaction was, how do you learn how to do that? I think so many people think to themselves, I want to provide for my child a better experience, support structure, whatever that is, than what I lived through. But how do you go about doing that, especially if that is not something that you saw growing up? Well, I mean, speaking from experience, I'll just think of something in my mind. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't the way that I grew up, but my dad would always, you know, talk about how his father had a temper, a terrible, terrible temper. And whenever anything happened, it was just very dramatic and scary and blah, blah, blah. So, and he would tell me, you know, the things that a kid would do that would set off the temper, like spilling, you know, milk or forgetting to take out the trash or something. And now that I am a parent, there is no way for me to ever have one of those situations come up that I was told about without realizing the gravity of the situation and saying, I can really make this go one way or the other. Let's course correct this and address it completely differently. There's no point in in showing anger for these things and it has a lasting effect on people. So in in those ways, I think. Huh. I mean, I, I totally get that. I just also think, you know, um, there's a phrase that my therapist has often used that I've referenced on the pod of like um, your your parent or whomever, essentially your parent knows how to push your buttons because they created them, mm-hmm. which like shout out mother daughter dynamic is typically what she's referenced. Um, and I was reading an article in New York Magazine and um, the writer was talking about generational rage and what 
her father, how her father behaved behind closed doors, which ostensibly nobody outside of their immediate family knew existed because he he changed as a person. And the fact that she she feels and understands and knows that she is the next generation of it, but she doesn't know how to turn that button off. Like she she only sort of understands the damage of it. She doesn't know how to undo it like she doesn't know how to turn away that button and it just makes me think not specific to anger or rage which is not the experience that I don't think that we've heard that Emily experienced at all when she was a kid but just to say just like the nuts and bolts of making decisions and trying to create a a universe maybe of more emotional safety or security or just presence requires a lot. And I just, it's such an additional challenge for someone who grew up in an environment where they weren't shown how to do that. I just can't imagine it. In addition to, you know, other circumstances, it just seems as someone who doesn't have kids, shout out, may his memory be a blessing. (laughs) Hemsley, Hemsley Galley. I mean, it just seems like not just an act of bravery to do that, but also one that I would think would be fraught with an additional level of fear. But also, you know, healing for her, I think. Mm. For so she that she sees that she's doing the things that she needed and didn't have available to her. And she's making sure that they are. And so in that way it's it's I think lightening, likely. Totally. And, you know, Tamara's talked about her childhood being one of a lot of upheaval. I think her father at one point, I mean, shout out to, I guess, a previous generation of the Scandaval left her mom for one of her mom's close close friends at one point. Like she went through and she had her first child when she was quite young, which we heard a little bit about. I don't know. You know, I'm only essentially now doing the Peacock um next day thing which has uh deleted scenes or more just like more content oh my god um so she talked a little bit about like a ouija board game where she was playing that with her mom and her then boyfriend when she was 17 and the ouija board kept spelling out baby and turning to her and she didn't know she was pregnant but apparently the ouija board did (laughs) which like holy shit um yeah it makes a person kind of wonder how she was able to kind of go through that and then go through the process of being married again and then go through the process of parental alienation, noting maybe the ways that she felt alienated when she was younger. I mean, it's just like trauma on trauma on trauma on trauma. She's been through a lot. Yeah, she has. Absolutely. And it's been on camera. I mean, it's not even just like a you know, housewife we've met recently who went through all of that we watched it and you know it's we we know a lot about tamra um her family her mom i don't think we've seen her in a while but i mean it's been it's been amazing to watch her kind of her path and i think even if you know people like or dislike tamra she's um she's in a good place i think people are happy to see that yeah, I feel like we just saw Sandy. She just has longer hair now. She was oh, almost unrecognizable. Was. When she came in, I was like, is that Sandy? Because I was so used to seeing the Sandy that we've always yeah, seen short from hair. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so when she had long hair, I was like, 
I'm sorry. Did I was not given like a warning caution like this person is yeah. going to look drastically different because of the length of their hair that my I will take a moment. Have, yeah, my brain rejected that. I was like, nope, not possible. I'll swipe. No, I get it. Also, you know, when you're living in a space also known as Peacock and, you know, these previous scenes and seasons being available to watch whenever for however long, and then someone walks in the room who you truly don't recognize. And again, because of the length of her hair, I truly was so used to a Sandy with the bob. I couldn't get past it. Yeah. Um, But it also makes you think a little bit about you know, the ways that we think about Tamra within the structure of um, being a survivalist, because getting through the childhood that she had and the challenges she faced as a young adult and adult and adult again and adult again, I'm sure, mm-hmm. required an element of of like just complete ability to stay somewhat grounded or at least focused on getting through the day. I mean, she's talked about extreme mental health challenges. She's really gone through a lot and shared a lot. And I wonder how much of that impacts even her self-producing and her ability to navigate and understand how to create this rare and very necessary skill that we look at and often criticize, but also require. Like you can feel when there's no Tamara in the cast that something is really missing. And I wonder how much of that came from being in a place of like feeling like she had to navigate a way to survive, especially if she felt at times that she needed to parent herself. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French 
Bravoholic for other matters of life. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has hormone harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Some of the housewives that try to kick the ball down the field a little bit further with some light producing. It just is an issue when it becomes, you know, just super blatant or ridiculous or, I mean, we get it. Like there has to be something to talk about. People have to have content, but, um, you know, it's, it's been fine so far. I just, it's just maybe her reactions to things seem a bit, you know, played up is all more for entertainment value, but you know, Get the energy out. So do you feel like checked out of Orange County or are we finding like a mellow vibe with Orange County? Like what's your what's your like genuine gut reaction to it? Are we like I'm not really into it or we're like we're seeing something but it's not giving me enough or you're still coming out as I am of like New Jersey and VPR being so overwhelming that it's taking a second to steady oneself? No, genuinely, it was just so stressful. The end of New Jersey and yeah. the Scandal Reunion cycle was so fucking stress. New Jersey, I think, was more stressful, I have to say. Um, you know, Jersey, it was, it was, I watched it. I watched it every week. I think I only missed like one week or something like that. Um, it felt taxing. There's parts of it that feel exciting and new, right? 
there's new people, new dynamics, you know, Teresa's in a new stage of her life. Everybody's got their strong opinions on that one way or the other, but I think the general consensus is we hope that she is in a great loving relationship and not being scammed in any way. Um, but the the stale element is the uh, the kind of just like petty fighting where everybody says they want it to be over, but then they keep putting salt in everybody's wounds. That sort of is just can be exhausting, but I don't know. It's just it feels repetitive, but that's just me. I don't know how you feel about the Teresa and Melissa situation after so long. I, I totally I feel absolutely similarly when it comes to repetitive have you feel have you felt an impact into how you're potentially enjoying or not enjoying orange county as a result like how what's your vibe with orange county right now genuinely yeah i mean it's been good you know it hasn't been it hasn't been bad and i i think it's picking up i mean i was definitely interested in what's going on at the end of this current episode you know and i'm very much enjoying taylor Okay, tell me about that. I just had no expectations, really. And um, she just seems different. She was very funny. She had a couple of lines that I wrote down. Because I was like, oh, my Ooh. God, Taylor. Stop it, you witty you witty lady. Oh, my God. Go off um, work. Where, where, you know, Tamara and Shannon were having their little back and forth. And they always get into some kind of spat. And Tamara brings it up in front of everybody. And it's like, you know, I'm really trying to heal things with Shannon. And I don't know if this is stable or not. And Taylor said something like, well, maybe your friendship's just fucking her fighting. And I was like, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, you just stole that scene, didn't you? <laughs> you sure did, darling. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny. So where do you stand in Taylor v. Heather, this whole dynamic over, you know, you were offered a part by me, you accepted by saying, okay, and then you have let down the production as a result. And also I checked your IMDb. Look, this is, this is a multifaceted, multifaceted tussle. And I am probably 75% team Taylor because she was just, you know, trying to do a kindness. It's no good deed goes unpunished. She was just like, you could take this role. You could be in this. And it seems like Heather just didn't want to do it. I don't understand because Taylor's saying, I was just thinking of you, but Heather's mad because nobody's formally emailed her. But what was done? I don't know. Was Heather supposed to call someone? Was there any directive at all? I just have more questions than answers, I guess. Wow. That is not the answer I thought you might give. I actually didn't know what answer you were going to give, but what you just said was not whatever really could have happened, which I'm extremely into. So, so you felt like Taylor saying come be a part of my merry theatrical troupe was a way of being charitable. No, just being kind, being like, hey, okay, I being think kind. You're, okay. you're an actress mm -hmm. too. This is, hey, come do this. Look, here's an opportunity. Like we could do this thing together. I just thought it was all lovely, all kind because I'm going into this neutral. I don't know if maybe they have, you know, beef off camera or something. If they do, I don't know about it. So I can only take Taylor for her word that she has no issue with Heather and was looking forward to Heather giving her, you know, acting advice or reading lines with her or whatever. 
So it seems like it was a nice gesture. Like, hey, there's a role in this, you know, if you're interested. So taking her at her word of, you know, Taylor, a woman of the people, right? And she's here to welcome herself into the Orange County fold and thinks that this could be maybe a fun bonding slash LOL 100% filming opportunity between her and a full-time member of the cast. When Heather says this isn't how it works, and also when Taylor hears from production that the role was potentially not hers to give because they want to see Heather on tape, which would presumably show as an example that Heather was not wrong and being like, you're you're saying that the the production was dependent on me, but I was never formally cast. Do you feel like in at that point, Taylor's reaction was based in like a misunderstanding or what? Yeah, now we've like crossed a bridge. Now it's just getting like dramatic, and I, I can't tell what's real and what's not anymore. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I'd like to see some receipts, like who reached out to whom, what was the directive, what was Heather supposed to do, like I, you know, but. I guess what I don't really understand is like the the level of anger that Heather has about it. It's like the expectation would also be zero, right? Taylor's offering this thing and you're like, that's a really nice gesture. My my expectation is also zero because I know it's not her movie and she's not the producer. So I'd say that's so nice. You know, then what now? Should I reach out to someone? Is someone going to call me? So again, I would just like to know what the exact um, situation was. So I don't disagree. I think in the universe of real life, that probably is what would have happened. Heather would have at a certain point texted her and said, listen, like, let's discuss this. Or, you know, here's the info for the person on my team, for the person on their team to kind of like go through and we'll really talk about like what this is. But I think I'm sure I I am fairly certain that one aspect of Heather's anger is because she sees or believes rather that Taylor is framing this as Heather thinking she was above it, elitist or regard irregardless of that um damaging this thing that Taylor really wants to do by not following through in a commitment Taylor believes she formally had. Like, I think Heather's seeing this as like, oh, you're trying to on camera tell people that I'm unprofessional or unsuccessful, which I think is her big trigger, especially in light of the earlier scenes where she's talking about trying to find a new identity or a new path to a prior identity through acting. And she's like, you're not going to do that. You're not going to you're not going to harm my reputation as a housewife or like LOL an actor which I don't think Taylor could do but you know when you're in that small bubble anything's possible. Yeah, and by the way that I am a thousand percent team Heather about it. I think it's just really great that she's trying to think about her life outside of motherhood and what does mm-hmm. that look like for her and following her passions that she set aside. Regardless of if someone thinks her, you know, IMDb is long enough or not. And also, LOL, that Tamara never said it right. And she said, I am BD twice. And I really enjoyed that. Also, the fact that Tamara, sweet Tamara, 
literally shit on Jen by being like, I'm pretty sure you and Ryan were fucking. So just be honest repeatedly. And then also saying to Taylor, like, listen, you're not telling the full truth of what happened because we are looking at her IMDb and making fun of her. And by we, I mean you. I was just a witness to you, my possible friend of sacrificial lamb. I mean, that was a little bit of an LOL, I think. I wonder how much of the Tamara and Heather stuff is going to pick off from this. Like, this will be the thing that they'll reference instead of off-camera stuff. Yeah, I mean, Tamara is, again, I, you can't, can't trust a lady with anything right now. Like, she'll just bring up anything for, uh, for the moment. It's like T-ball, anything that's available to her, she's swinging. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that, though. I think it's, you know, it's no holds barred at this point. Like, OC needed a little, a little pump of life, so I'm here for it. Yeah, and I'm also, you know, I, I just, the, the tailor of it all is so fascinating to me because I don't, I, I honestly don't know how much of Taylor's responses to things I believe. Like when it comes to like, you ruined the movie or you're fucking up the movie or we had a promise and now you're backing out. Like, I don't know. Maybe it started in a way of being, and I feel like I'm being generous in saying this, of like her being on the absolute up and up, like this would be great. But I think that Taylor, who has been in the game for a while, understands the game she's playing and how she's encapsulating this on camera. Like Taylor and Tamara understood they were shitting on Heather with the IMDb stuff. Like that was extremely apparent. I think there's a certain level of sort of like victimhood that Taylor is showing in the whole like you fucked the movie that I don't I don't know that she really believes Yeah, I mean it's like when you're watching a basketball game right and somebody barely touches somebody else and they like drop to the floor and hold like it's that's that's how they're playing that's that's the style on the field for real housewives totally um okay so listen (laughs) I I don't know that we're doing this but we're gonna try noting that BBDV is on her merry journey tonight which we discussed prior (laughs) Earlier in the episode, we are going to attempt (laughs) to do AG theater. Um, I will be playing the part as I was born to play of Heather Dubrow and a one-off line from my queen, um, the people's princess, Shannon Storms-Bedore. And my pal BBDB, as I so often call her, will be playing to tease in a moment from AG Theater, Taylor Armstrong, new married last name, which I absolutely forgot, and Tamra Judge. So are you ready? Okay, so we're starting. This is starting. I don't know how you're going to identify a difference between Taylor and Tamra, but God bless you for that. Okay, so we're going to start. This is the last 90 seconds-ish of the episode, starting with BBDB as Taylor and myself as Heather Dubrow talking about all things IMDB slash IMBD, etc. I was like confused as to why they would even ask for you to do a casting tape when you've done so much. But that sounds very punitive to look me up like that. No, 
I just thought with your pedigree and everything that you've done, they would be super excited to have this rule. That's very rude, the way you're saying that. What's that supposed to mean? With your pedigree? Like, that's so weird. I mean, I have a pedigree. Am I a dog? Cut to Shan. She means that in a positive way. Back to Taylor. No, like all the acting history that you have. I thought they would just be like, <laughs> we're super excited to have you on board. <laughs> Tamara. I do have to call you out on one thing. You talked about when you looked at her IBMD. <laughs> Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Tamara. You didn't think it was that impressive. You said what? When they came back to me and asked for a casting tape, I said, let me see what she's done, because now I look fucking stupid. That is so incredibly rude. I'm someone who has put my entire life on hold, as many women do for my family. So for you to denigrate my career is not only anti-female, but just not nice. And I am at a crossroads in my life figuring out who I am. And I just find this to be so incredibly rude. And for you to sit with Tamara and talk about my IMDb when you were offered a part and you've never been in anything ever and I was excited for you, that's the person I am. The person you are is making a mountain out of a molehill when you offered me something that was not yours to offer me in the first place and then talk to all my friends and shit talk my career fuck you and scene mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. oh my god you know what Powerful. if if that part is still available on taylor's taylor new married last names new movie also known as her first movie i think we should split it i think we yeah. should king david style split that motherfucker in half mm. Absolutely. Was it King David or Solomon? Somebody? I don't remember. There was a baby there. Who could tell you? I mean, really, apologies to my rabbi. There was somebody. There was like a king and splitting. I couldn't tell you. Half, half. Half, half of one, half of the other. Mm. Let's call it a day. Um, BBDB, some of your greatest work as a, as a theater performer. I really Thank felt you. it. Thank you. So, I mean, <sighs> For Heather, how much of this do you think is going to isolate her from Taylor or begin the process of isolating her seemingly as we now sort of understand from the rest of the cast? Oh, I think this is big time. I think you this do. is going to be I think this is going to be some major beef beefaroni for a while. Really? Yeah, cuz this is this is this is Heather's sore spot. Like everybody's got like mm -hmm. like one little area where it's like don't don't F with me about this thing, whatever this thing is. This is Heather's thing. The way Heather introduced herself to us season one was like, look at me. I used to be an actress. I was on this show and this show. It's something that helps her define who she is. So to perceive that Taylor is looking down on that, belittling it, making fun of it in any way, it's going to be bad. And also, you know, Malibu country take the wheel because we have seen this before and it is truly one of my favorite kinds of fights. I think I've seen this down before, <laughs> but I kind of like the ending. 
I mean, but for real, I mean, talk about Taylor's. It's there is something magical because it does feel even though the beginning of it and the like, you know, pulling up the IMDb and doing an episode count, Taylor referencing 22 episodes, which absolutely was her being a little piece of shit, which I loved. Yeah, I just thought Taylor, I said, if she truly was making fun of her with that 22 episodes comment, she is a good liar. (laughs) Oh, you think she was being, you think she was just referencing it to be like, I know. Just the fact that I'm not sure, that I'm not 100% sure, I'm like, I like it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know one way or the other. I want to be like, is she? Throwing the most amazing shade right now or being dead serious? I don't know. 100% because even if, especially if she's being like, oh, 22 episodes, good for you, which I do not believe was meant in total good faith. She's also, by the way, showing that she knows the number, which is telling you something. I don't, maybe it's like a little hint of like, listen, I know some stuff, even Mm -hmm. if it's absolutely completely publicly available, there could be you know, a layer of that with this. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, for sure. Like Taylor's not just, you know, and then Taylor has a little chip on her shoulder too, right? Because her big thing is like, you know, I'm from Oklahoma, look down on me. I haven't been in a movie before. I haven't been in a whatever before. And so then for Heather's response to be like, you haven't even said in a tape. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. just, um, it's, it's oil and water going to be a good good little issue for a while yeah and it also kind of begs the question what is taylor's how is taylor's currency understood between the other members of the cast like does it matter to them that she was full-time on beverly hills and an original member of that franchise like how far does that go where you know uh the idea of a being a member of like greater society at some, you know, does stuff, maybe not as much in Orange County as in Beverly Hills. Having an awful lot of fucking money does a lot in any franchise. Like there are ways that you can ensure a certain level of power based on the role that you feel that you are playing, the archetype that you are as a member of the cast. Um, With Taylor, I wonder how much the bh of it all plays in or maybe not at all i haven't felt like it has in any way and i say that because they haven't brought up that i can remember anything really about it Mm. Uh, they haven't brought up any of the cast members what do you think about this or that drama that's happening over there they haven't uh you know brought up the fact that like she used to live here but she lives here now so to me it's a non-issue I'm just giving her a fresh, clean cut with this with this dynamic of women not carrying anything over from Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's and I wonder how much of that was like, you know, the guidance from production and something that the women talked about offline, because how could they not, especially after Taylor was cast? But also maybe it's the just the playing ground of like you come in the door, maybe with a wink and a nod, or maybe it's just you're the new friend. Like that's you've moved or lived in Orange County and you're entering a new universe and we know who you are. So maybe there's the benefit of that, the benefit of expectation that the audience will have seen enough to understand who Taylor was on another franchise and then 
um, enough time has gone by that they're just like, okay, we've, we just saw you on Girls Trip. We likely enjoyed you on that. And, you know, now you're playing a different role. Yeah. Because the reality is, like, she might not have acting credits, but she has a lot of television credits mm-hmm. and a level of performance from that. There's, like, the inherent performance of I'm playing the part of, you know, unfortunately, a happy wife in a marriage. I can't even call it a happy marriage because it never felt like that when she was um, married to her first husband. But... um in those, you know, early days. But, um, you know, there's an, a, an inherent element of performance in any aspect of one's life, plus the performance of um, being on Bravo. The energy and the temperature in the room, the climate is much more different on Orange County than it is on Beverly Hills. Like, if she rejoined Beverly Hills, the environment would be relatively similar to what it was a decade ago versus any other season of Orange County. It's just two totally different climates. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, Taylor can hold her own. And that's part of the reason why the business model that that Bravo now has of like, you're essentially like a pinch hitter or you're on deck in Ultimate Girls Trip. And, you know, you might get called into the game. Mm -hmm. And so it, it lets you take a break from stronger personalities or if there has been a lull, whatever it might be, and then rotate them back in, you know, if and when it makes sense in different ways. So Taylor doesn't have to be a full-time cast member. And I don't know where I heard this. Maybe you told me this. Maybe someone else did. But I think if you're a friend of, you actually end up making more money to film with them. If you film with them a ton, because it's almost like you're an hourly employee versus a set salary. Oh, that definitely was not me. And so okay. it can can be more lucrative is the rumor that I read. But I'd love for somebody to, to Fact tell check. me where I heard that from. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I yeah, I don't know what the agreement or contract is. And often it seems that these women, some of the women, when they're new cast members, aren't aware if they're full-time or friend of until after production has taken place. So I don't know how you negotiate. Mm. I guess the rate is really negotiated around the amount of time that you're filming and not the title that is given to you, either before production starts or after production when there's been a, you know, sea change or some sort of shift? That's an interesting question. I don't, I really don't have an answer to it. Um, Yeah, this is the kind of stuff we want to know. Like, why not tell us? Not detail. We don't need, we don't need to know dollar amounts. I just want to know structure. Well, I remember at BravoCon attending one of the producer panels and it was like really pulling teeth to get the producers on stage to admit that the housewives do not pay for the cast trips. Like it was a whole back and forth and became this like dance before one of the producers finally said, you know, production picks up the bill. Like that was a revelation. The fact that there was someone finally saying this thing that we have always assumed to be true, which is like when they're going to Bora Bora, it's not whomever is the quote unquote host who's picking up the tab on that. That would seem to be one of the most obvious little winks to this being a filmed television show than almost anything else. Yeah. Like in what, in what world would you say, oh, I'm going to shell out every penny for a vacation and also a film crew to go mm. and to give up every sliver of privacy that we have pretty much on this vacation. Um, but I don't want any, you know, compensation for that. 
100%. I think it's, it is a wild, um, it is a, yeah, yeah, it's a a little bit of a wild ride. Um, But, you know, to be continued on all of this, I thought it was a really strong episode. There's a lot that we honestly didn't discuss that I'm excited to unpack on the next AG because there's stuff about adultery and marriage and, triggers, um, especially as Gina is talking about the dynamics between Jen and Ryan that I thought was really interesting. So guys, look for that on the next AG. But in the meantime, BBDB, a pleasure as always to have you on the People's People Zoom Kiki Couch. Thank you for indulging me in AG theater, which I truly sprang upon you with absolutely no notice. So I guess I'm an honorary housewife because maybe that was my little Tamara moment. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. And I also didn't get to say, you know, solidarity, um, solidarity with Shannon because I too have a bony vagina and I cannot be riding bikes like that. So. Wasn't that Shannon, you know, she gives us these little moments that are just dust. I mean, and her coming up with this whole conversation about John's not there. I need to call the kids the babysitter, which, by the way, opens the door to people questioning her relationship, which is going to come up Mm -hmm. repeatedly through the course of the season. And now we know that that first conversation we're seeing on camera as a group wondering what the fuck is going on with John was truly her trying to figure out a way to change into an outfit so that she could show that she is still, you know, a costume queen. I'm fun Shannon. She is still fun Shannon and like nine lemons in a bowl. I mean, the fact that one of those lemons was like a sacrificial lamb Mm -hmm. with some zest so that she could scuttle off camera. I mean, they were taking her like awkwardness and bluster and not having an answer as her hiding something in her relationship, which I'm sure isn't untrue. But also the reason it was happening in that moment was because she needed to literally get into the bar. I mean, oh, my God, I love her so much. I love her. She's so she's so much. She's so much. I know. I know she's your favorite. She does remind me too um, of Dorinda a little bit, just in the way that they have kind of a joie de vivre. Don't get mad. Oh I'm God. talking about the joy of life. I'm going to put you on pause. Okay. Well, listen, they bring props. <laughs> the two of them bring props yes. and costumes. And they think about things like, how do I make this fun? Even though we're on camera being filmed, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. And as Shannon seemingly says, nearly every episode if not every other scene you know how I'm doing not well bitch I mean that really Mm -hmm. Shannon can't put on lip gloss without having some sort of meltdown which god love her just endears her to me but also would I want to go to Wyoming with her I mean, I would because I am unwell and absolutely obsessed with her. And I think she's just so fucking wonderful. But like, that is a lot. That's a that's a trip. We are, you know, talk about tripping out. Like, does Shanna do edibles? She should. Yeah. You know what? But she's talked about microdosing and stuff before, Mm. but they should take more of it. It's a lot of there's a lot of tension there. Mm. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love my little anxiety queen. I mean, she's just 
She's just wrapped up in so much. And I think for anyone, anyone who is a stan, hashtag stan of Shan, I think most, I mean, shout out Shan stans. Most of us, I think, have a pretty good sense of humor about Shan, which is like the fun of choosing Shan because it's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be cringe. You're going to be it's going to be filled with so much concern for her, but also love. And it's you know, it's it's my favorite kind of of stand up because I it is equal parts like absolute love, but also LOL, which Mm -hmm. I mean, is there, there's nothing better I personally could want in standing a housewife, truly. Yeah, it gives you everything. It does. It really does. Listen, so did this episode. BBDB, you know I'm obsessed with you. Tell the AGs where they can follow you on social, hear and see and, you know, read so much more of um, all of your deep dives that I absolutely adore. Bravo, bravo, ducking, bravo on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I do the dives of deep. I love a dive of deep. And guys, speaking of a deep dive, new Patreon episode up now. Talking Kyle and Mauricio, talking rumors about Raquel, Bethany's most recent hot take on Louie. So listen to that and so much more at the AG Patreon. Number one way to support the pod, patreon.com slash Andy's girls. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. BBDB, thanks so much for coming back. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Oh my God. I love a wave. A wave is perfect actually on an audio podcast. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how wonderful that is. She's still continuing to do it. On that note, guys, thanks for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.